0: this is another episode of Life and Dev and here today I have Sarah Vogel. Am I saying that right? Sarah? Yeah, Vogel? you can say Sarah Lisa Vogel. Sarah Lisa Vogel. It's yeah. uh, actually. We asked you today to have a chat with me because you are like so heavily involved in VR. It's kind of scary and you've <laughs> just been describing things today uh, that you're doing with VR. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot.
1: What's going on? Um, In VR oh my god yeah there's a lot going on I mean um, especially since three years the VR industry developed like crazy so I've been in VR for three years now and um, I saw all that like um, yeah developing going on how it was with the Rift DK1 when it came out of the Kickstarter and then like what we have right now um, with all the consumer devices on the market and of course during all of that time um the VR community grew a lot. Like in the beginning, it was more like, oh my God, what are you nerds doing there? Like, what (laughs) is this? These weird headsets you're putting on your faces. Like, what's that? And it was a really, really dedicated, small, enthusiastic crowd. And now we see it really growing, getting into the consumer market, into the mainstream, a lot of interest arising in VR. And that's also why I like... Um, yeah why why um I'm so busy right now that actually everyone wants to like know something like get into v r like have some input on what's going on what's happening, what's actually the thing right now to do yeah it's it's very exciting times I enjoy it a lot so it's um it's a lot of experimentation um it's a lot of um Yeah, um, knowledge gaining, a lot of education going on, a lot of sharing. So um, it's very refreshing to be in this community.
0: Are you feeling a little bit like, less like the freak in the corner now as well that it's kind of going into the mainstream yeah
1: totally yeah 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 um definitely so it's more like that actually the people also all my friends that actually were always like what the hell are you doing there are now like oh my god i saw this in my job i got to do with it at work now like can you tell me something about it can i come by your office yeah it's more like this now it's like wow you're doing this really cool tech shit
0: wow (laughs) the change and it's a pretty fast change in three Years yeah, as well.
1: definitely. That that was a, a pretty fast thing, um, and it's developing even faster now.
0: Yeah. So I think one of the first things that a lot of people would know of your work is Lucid Trips. So yeah, you started kind of with this quite experimental landscape kind of game. So how have you gone from from there to what you're developing now, or what you consider an interesting VR experience now? How have your ideas changed? Um, well, so in the
1: beginning, it was more about finding out. <clears throat> like what we are actually is like what can we do there what is it for and what's what what like what do people like to use it for so in the beginning we put a lot of thought into immersing you as much as possible so for lucid trips we were thinking really of this being um who's in a lucid dream who can like walk around push himself off the earth and then fly over a dreamlike planet because that's what we kind of imagined would be really cool what we would want to do um like even in our dreams or in vr which which can make um like dreamlike um things happen so um we also built this wind feedback machine to like really get this um, haptic input. Mm-hmm. And we, we built this construction to l- lay yourself in, to be more in that position where really your arms are in the center of your movement. So... you kind um, of an harness for that? Uh, yeah, we kind of built several constructions for this. Um, like we started with a Schlingentisch, which is a construction for physio- physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um like my uncle is a physio- physiotherapist. Um that's why I came to that idea. Um and then <clears throat> like together with uh, Nico, who um is one of the people who started it, um we um like with his mom, we sued this construction where you could um hang yourself in. So um that was a, a pretty pretty cool thing and it worked very well, but of course it was not made for mainstream and for um, for very uh, long, long things. So no one had it at home. No one could have it at home. And as soon as the HTC Vive was announced, we so actually had the setup we wanted because we used the hand controllers all the way Yeah. We first used the Razer Hydra with the DK1, but all of that wasn't a setup. Like we used yeah, the PlayStation to it Move itself. controller yep. with the DK2 and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. It wasn't uh, made for like um, enjoying it at home. So... Um actually just through the HTC Vive, we came to the conclusion that we focus now on getting it out to uh consumers um for that device. And now of course also all the other um developers like um uh, all the other hardware um manufacturers like Oculus and PlayStation, they um have the same system on the market. So it's actually perfect for for lucid trips. Um it was the thing we did all the all the way. Um but by yourself yeah. yeah so um so yeah it changed from like really um <clears throat> focusing on um getting that very special feeling that very special immersion when flying through lucid trips to a actually more mainstream um approach to make it comfortable for everyone and to to make it um yeah um playable for as much people as possible um What I actually found through all of that time was that building a team in VR, like finding qualified developers and finding team members and also getting enough exposure, like being present at events and all that stuff is really something that is sucking too much time. And too much energy from your development process, if you really want to develop something in VR mm. so these are really things that are very hard to handle at the moment, plus the fact that you actually cannot really make money as an indie developer when you're not um, when you're not funded, when you're not like financed from a hardware developer, or when you don't really build up a company and get funding, then it's actually not really an opportunity to make as much money to sustain like to sustain a business. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, through all that, what I experienced, I came to that point, to that conclusion that I want to build that place where people can get into VR. Like have VR base here in Berlin, like set it up and have that co-working space where people can get in for not much money, have all the hardware, all the software, all the knowledge present, have education opportunities. Also, I'm working on an artist-in-residency program um, sponsored by companies. For example, also sponsoring partner of ours is Audi, who uh, gets heavily into VR, and these chances we want to uh, use and combine to like um, enable people to get into VR and have all resources by hand um, mm-hmm. and really develop the skills and all the knowledge we need. In three years or five years from now, when the market is really taking off, when it's really heavily hitting consumer stage, because at the moment no one has the headsets at home. Yes. There's no market. It's only developers, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Not only but like well, not enough. Very early to, adopters. Yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. enough to like really um. <clears throat> get the numbers of users mm-hmm. you actually need to make money with it
0: and is that the kind of idea to turn Berlin then into a, a VR developers hub that people go okay there's a community in Berlin yeah I can find a group of people to work on a project yeah. or pitch even to see you know, that's to it that's it yeah, yeah. Cool.
1: you can uh, um get a desk like dedicated or floating desk or even an office at one of the bases and it's a European thing it's a European hub a European system uh, with the first base already um open and filling up in Amsterdam mm-hmm. um, that's on an old navy base in different offices like one really nice uh, new renovated open space with meeting rooms, offices and um, kitchen, all that stuff and then several other small things also a huge green screen studio and um, um, an old shooting range is now equipped with four HTC Vive setups <laughs> so you can also do multiplayer stuff over there so it's really good for um, opportunities to actually make your projects a success
0: yeah that sounds great Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i'm pretty excited about that yeah
0: and coming to berlin soon yeah so we are working
1: on um finding the the best space um which really fits the needs of the berlin startup so it's really a compromise between um low square meter rent and still being in a cool and um and accessible area so and um, that's really a thing we have to figure out right now what's yeah. the perfect thing plus 2% vacancy in berlin is not really that we have that much um options right now so we really want to um like get the perfect thing and therefore um, we take the time we need and work at the moment out of that um office at colonia nova together with reality co our first startup um and some freelancers like coming by every now and then and uh, we also start event-based like we have that huge area with 24 startups um at cbit where we like have this vr based base camp kind of thing so for that one week we have all the startups together like from all over europe there's startups even from moscow israel um czech republic ukraine like there's a lot of international um or european stuff happening Mm -hmm. like france um amsterdam startups um of course, Berlin, also all over Germany, um uh, it's a really cool thing. I'm very excited about like how much interest there is from startups to uh, to especially use these opportunities of like easy exposure for low costs because we get sponsors in to make it as um cheap as possible yeah, yeah, as cheap as possible for startups mm-hmm. but al- already that concept for CBIT is actually also the thing which is happening at VR base like mm-hmm. give the startup support with um visibility with um like um, uh, networking opportunities and also, of course, like finding new team members, having education opportunities. Like we do several workshops also during CBIT. Um, Also Unity is coming, like they're partnering with us like to educate more people to do cool VR quality content. Mm. Um, So, And these are, of course, the the first resources for our startups to grow their teams.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, Um, yeah. So the other thing that I really want to ask you about Mm -hmm. your VR experience um, is your role as a shaman. Yeah. You have to tell me your role as a shaman. Like, How how do you see this role? Um, Maybe a a little bit about the first project that you worked Mm -hmm. on as uh, as a shaman. (laughs) So um, the VR shaman thing is uh,
1: definitely uh, the approach to make that kind of a statement, how it will be in the future. Like, maybe in 20 years from now, something when VR is really a thing that you do. And we assume it would be a thing that you do also to, um, like, um, to escape reality, Mm -hmm. to, like, go on a trip to maybe like you can compare it at the moment like to go on a small like weekend trip or to like do some small vacation to get out of the city, go to the sea, um maybe to do a drug trip, like take LSD or something like that. <clears throat> Just to like get something to get out of your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um we think VR can be an amazing option for that that really adds value to to our um yeah to our um, uh, exploration of places that we actually want to go to at the, or that we wanna
0: wanna explore
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat>
0: yeah <clears throat> uh, as in locations that you really want to explore or also like spaces within yourself kind of um, thing like how, how both. philosophically um, are we speaking right it can about now? be
1: it can definitely be locations mm-hmm. um these locations can can uh, have to do something with your dreams with your wishes with your um like most inner things you actually feel like it can also be an underwater thing you could be a whale you could be like um you could be another being you could move forward in another way um you could just be um yeah whatever you actually want to be so mm-hmm. also in the preparation of um putting the VR out, who is the one who has a headset on um putting him in vr i ask a lot of questions so um i try to um get to know a lot about the person which is also like um what are their greatest fear what are their like greatest wishes um what um what did happen in their past like how did they grow up and um like um also what do they really want to see and um like curate the trip Um, out of that feeling I get from that person because I also think I can be quite of an empath like um, read in the the answers of the person like um, how he is or what he needs or or doesn't want to see and um, so based on that I curate that trip and I take in the VR experiences or the rhythms or the um, like things I I assume the person would enjoy or would want to live through in that trip um so definitely in the future it will be some kind of ai or something that connects to your brain and um, reads out all that stuff and then like um um, procedurally generates that trip for you Mm -hmm. but at the moment it's kind of me as the vr shaman because you will need a person also in that future trips you will need someone who's in there who knows what you're seeing what you're living through Mm -hmm. and can therefore guide you through that virtual world because also of course the people i put into vr they didn't really know uh, anything about the experiences but um me i knew uh, anything everything about it i knew how to get forward or anything if you if you don't know what to do Mm -hmm. so i was there for them on one side like guiding them through their virtual worlds they were exploring and they were in And on the other side, also taking care of their um, real life um, Mm -hmm. things that they had to do, like, um, like food, like drink, like pee, like sleep, like everything that, of course, a human has to do. Um, So maybe that in the future could be some kind of cocoon where you actually um, have all these things taken care of already, like get some stuff in your stomach, like without really needing um, to do anything. I Mm. don't know. Um, Maybe it could be kind of like a picture, you know, the matrix, um, like how the
0: people are there
1: plugged in or something. You know what I mean? It could be something like that um, in the future. I don't know how it will develop, but... Um, that was kind of a picture we wanted to draw like um, how that stuff could be so mm-hmm. also in some virtual worlds I had to like remote control Torsten with um, the the trackpad um, because he had no option to actually move forward because the rooms were still so crude like the virtual reality he was in so he was really taking all his trust um, like putting it in me because I was his guide mm-hmm. in both worlds kind of
0: I guess you've talked about it so far in kind of two <clears throat> main aspects which was like the physical caring of somebody and also the caring in game of somebody to an extent but what sort of um emotional and psychological care and support did you have to provide So um it was
1: very very fascinating for me but because it was really these two aspects and they they were um kind of focused on him being there in reality with his body but definitely only his body and his body functions that I had to take care of so I had to feed him and I had to hand him drinks um food all that stuff so that his body could function he also <clears throat> like took pills that he didn't have to poo but still he was like having stomach pain and like farting and stuff so it was just his body really being there and like doing what a body does also when he had to pee I I handed him these like um, granulate pee bags where he like peed in and then like uh, uh, tossed it into a bucket Mm -hmm. but in the end they were out and it was Sunday and then like these people from the game science center put this bucket there with like cat powder Um, So he peed just into this bucket with cat powder, you know, that stuff. So (laughs) it was just really his body being present and wanting to do stuff. But then on the other side, online or in-game, It was really his um, mind doing things Mm -hmm. with his avatar, and his avatar wasn't bothered by all of that stuff. It was always present, it was always doing stuff, it was always connecting to people. Like he was always um, in VR chat in the social rooms, very much like really um, uh, having relationships. grown out of that um presence in the in the social rooms they were totally supporting him they were really getting in touch with him they're building an avatar for him and they were building the room we were in so it was really there was so much um so so much excitement from the community about him being there and um, I had to take care that he really understands them with the microphone. We had issues with sound. We had issues that the computer or the program crashed. So I had to restart. So I had to take care that he is present in the virtual world. So his, his mind is actually not bothered so much by the technical restrictions.
0: Mm-hmm. <coughs> Because I guess I this would bring you out there. of what you are doing yeah, quite a yeah, lot as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Was he using controllers as well? Yeah. yeah. So we he's... using. This is also the funny thing too, because you're having like, um, yeah, yeah, I guess in, you're seeing feedback of your body moving yeah. and you are moving in a physical yeah. space. It's, I also had to
1: take care of his body, like to be in the right place mm. in the real world. Like he once said... Be- Beside the couch, when I had a moment where I didn't watch him, he sat down and really hurt his ass when he was falling down because he thought there was the seat, but it wasn't there. Like yeah. all of that stuff happened. I really had to take care that he doesn't hurt himself because he was so um, involved with that other reality. Um, I think and also disorientation happens ta- quickly yeah. too though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he really lost orientation of where the room was. Mm. Um, but also I had this experience, experiment not only with him but with also two other people after him and Dunya Hayali for example. Um with her I even did a questionnaire like always um after every hour. Um, I asked her some questions also regarding orientation. She actually never thought that she lost orientation until she took off the headset. Wow. Because she was so in her virtual world. Like over the time, over these she only did 24 hours, but that's already a yeah. long
0: time. Only. <laughs> yeah. You talk so, about it like, oh, only. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's
1: already a really a long, long time. time. And yeah. um, over this time, you really engage so much with that virtual world. Mm-hmm. You really get in there. So it's also... Um, noticeable for me that how over time they get much more and more used to their virtual reality to what they do there and um and also like just the moment when they get out it's it's totally weird for them then mm-hmm. they also get dizzy or they they complain about like some nausea or something but as long as they're in the world when they're so long in there they're just like they're really um attached to it kind of the first thing that dunya said like Oh, my God, it's already
0: over. Can I go back there? So that's also the thing. Um, I think that's a nice, uh, yeah, something nice to say about your curation skills as well. (laughs) Uh, What is your um, relation to them while they're in there as well? Like, how do you feel about the experience that they're in? I mean, you're monitoring it on a screen, I assume, and you can see what they're doing physically. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about your role in it where, where do you fit
1: um actually i let them mostly alone on the virtual side mm-hmm. um as long as they know like how to get around so as soon as they have any questions or or want to know anything i'm always there mm-hmm. to answer but i try to really let them go um to to make their own trip to really explore what is in there on their own but more take care of where they are in the physical space like take care of that they don't have to take care about the physical space and can involve as much as possible into the virtual space so I try to focus as much as possible on making the experience in the physical space as not present as yeah. possible yeah um makes sense. also like for example arranging chairs and stuff when um, when they are on a um, on a chair and then there's something beside them where they could Um, could lean their arm on then sometimes I give them a hint like hey um, uh, you could grab the table if you want and then they try to grab the table and then there's a real table and Mm -hmm. that really makes them believe much more so that really gives them a push and immersion all of that I think they're called lo-fi haptics yeah (laughs) Moving furniture yeah. around so people can <clears throat> find yeah. it as Yeah, move. that stuff. Yeah. Like I try to every now and then put mm. in that stuff as yeah. well. <clears throat> also for having food or something, I put a table there and put the virtual kitchen there where the table is exactly at the spot where the virtual table is. Or for example, that experience Conrad the kitten where you have that like fluffy uh, real world cat and attach a controller to it. So they have the real cat in their hand, like mm-hmm. move it around, that stuff um, to push the immersion to a point. So... Um, yeah,
0: sounds, yeah, it sounds like a really nice way to, to bring you back in. I mean, it sounds like they're already very, very in, but to like mm-hmm. communicate that physical yeah. world with them. Sometimes it's,
1: really- it's also um, like uh, for Dunya Hayali, she um, should do sports. Like I wanted her to really, because she wanted to see how it is in VR. Like, can mm-hmm. you really do sports? Can you do everything in VR? Is it really totally not possible with the headset? And then I really pushed her to a limit, but then she was like um, <clears throat> being totally proud of herself. Like for example, in Space Pirate Trainer, um making it to round seven with these and these points. And I was like, oh my God, on my first try, I was even like two times better than you were because she's a really competitive type. Um, and she was so like totally um, like getting competitive about it that she really pushed herself to the limit. So sometimes I'm, I'm throwing in stuff like that to actually like motivate them or like give them.
0: Did she have a headset on as uh, a? what do you call these things no Head, headset headphones, no, headphones. okay so no. she's communicating with you directly yeah. and is these uh, i'm the sound just an the outside game- world mm-hmm. and the, the uh, game
1: sound is prior and i'm just really like damped off from mm-hmm. the outside world because mm-hmm. of headphones and stuff so we had one thing with um this um Uh, uh, TV and radio moderator Christian Schiffer from Munich Um, he had that option where we were um, talking to him through the headset Mm -hmm. but um, we actually noticed that it was quite cool to not really be in the virtual world like speaking from that same um, source as the virtual world but be a bit more separate yeah <clears throat> so we noticed that was actually a good thing
0: because mm. I think Torsten also talked about um, him really wanting to do a trip with two people to mm-hmm. have someone yeah with you and I was kind of wondering about how that sound feedback from you being there also in the physical mm-hmm. space and someone knowing that you're there in the physical space mm-hmm. how they felt about you, like um, if they felt like you were like their partner in crime or, you know, just caring for them physically, like how's their emotional connection?
1: um, For Torsten, it was definitely that I was his partner in crime, that he really wanted me in there and that it was his experience, like having us both there. Um, Because I was always present, even if I hadn't had a body, like Mm -hmm. I was just a voice, Mm -hmm. um, but he really kind of, to know me like um, so intense in that way without seeing me that was also really weird when he took the off- headset off he kind of felt like I was another person than the one who was actually guiding him all the time because of course in the normal life I'm not that caring about him like you really enjoyed <laughs> how I cared about him and everything like it was more that like my voice and, and that other me like was that caring person for him mm-hmm. Mm, but he didn't like, um, like when, when he took the headset off, it was kind of like, oh my God, hey Sarah, like so good to see you. But it was kind of, um, it's different, definitely. Yeah. So. so
0: he really developed a relationship with you during this as well. Like, yeah, yeah, this is quite interesting. So mm. you had this performative role as uh carer and facilitator. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, yeah, I guess he's feeling this caring feeling from you because that's what you're yeah. providing, yeah. and yeah. that's yeah. really yeah. quite beautiful. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was also every time we we saw the documentary about it mm. together. It was played at some like festivals and stuff, so we really were like super emotional, like sitting. beside each other and were just like, "Wow, this was this was really intense." It was really intense. Forty
0: eight hours is a lot of yeah. anything, and I can yeah. just imagine like yeah. not. I mean, yeah. If you were there with him the whole time as well, like mm-hmm. not eating properly, mm-hmm. not going to the bathroom, mm-hmm. that's a lot of strain. Mm-hmm. And then like some sleep, you guys did like a yeah. minimal
1: amount of sleep. Yeah, like three hours or
0: something. That sounds really awful. Um, Me, you know, less none sleep. than him. None sleep? No, I, don't I did
1: sleep was. a bit, but, um, uh, but like less than him because it was like at one point in one night, like I noticed that the computer crashed when I like, woke up because i had such a light sleep and then of course i had to get up like restart and hoping like he didn't wake up and like also we actually didn't really prepare sleeping so we just like prepared everything else because it was so much it was also pretty short term Mm -hmm. and then it was just like fuck like we don't even have blankets or anything and it was crazy cold it was january it was at the game science center which is not heated at night so it was it's not a warm space and i I like found a kind of a foam thing for him as blanket, which is pretty huge, but I just put it over him like mm-hmm. on the couch. Um <clears throat> and like just made a super small bed on like this half like one seat couch, um like with my feet on a chair with my with my uh jacket. Yeah, okay. Over me. So it's so, super uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and if you had to, like, program sleep. And, of course,
1: I knew all the time that we were in the live stream. Like, I was co- oh, getting no. comments on the live stream, like that, for example, oh, my God, this girl wins the prize for sleeping in the smallest place possible. And then also, <laughs> like, um, hey, guys, like, it was always someone was on a live stream, like, being involved in a chat or, like, doing something. We had a lot of viewers in live streams, so it was awesome. And also- was Torsten
0: hearing this as well? Or he was, or you no, were getting I it was
1: as- I was getting, uh, I was telling it to him, okay. like, for example, <laughs> Also, when he had a panic attack, I talked to him like, and I, I wrote all the things that the people were telling him, like super motivating stuff. Also, some people said like, take off the headset, you will ruin VR for you forever, and all that stuff. So, <clears throat>
0: how much were you filtering in that situation?
1: Um... I was not very much filtering actually. I maybe I should have filtered more, but I just read every perspective because Mm -hmm. I also wasn't sure. I mean, he had Mm -hmm. a panic attack. He his heart was beating heavily. He's not the super youngest guy anymore, and he has a hard lifestyle. So I didn't also wanted to to like that he gets a heart attack. Just like imagine if he would have died, uh, then VR Mm -hmm. would have kind of been ruined also Mm -hmm. a bit. Like oh wow, forty eight hours, and then you're dead. Yeah, something like that. That's true. And
0: I, I guess you didn't have a team really. of medics there yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: so I was like, also, I was actually totally, um, on, um, <laughs> uh, I was not on any side, like, rather take the headset off or not. I was also telling him, like, he said, like, like should I do it or should I not? He already had the hands on the headset and was like thinking, should I take it off or not? And I was just with him and I was like, I help him get, I help you get through that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I totally like, um, uh, enthused his uh back and everything and like um yeah uh jerking his back and that stuff but um so i was also telling him like if you want to get out get out like this is okay Mm -hmm. like you were Mm -hmm. in there for a long time and um this is all right like you don't have to stay there there's
0: nothing pushing you at there. this point as well how, what was how far along into the
1: oh that was i think after 27 hours or oh something. god yeah
0: <coughs> okay so you know three quarters well two thirds <coughs> yeah. in and
1: yeah something yeah. like that so yeah. he was really thinking about it and i was just with him and also really giving him the options i was still like it's your thing you did it you're mm-hmm. in there you can stay there but you can also get out of there it's just it's it's your decision Mm -hmm. i'll be there for you but um
0: yeah
1: i won't push you yeah so it was really
0: part yeah
1: it was really free for him like mm -hmm. he didn't have any responsibilities to stay there that was like i think that was very important for him to know Mm -hmm. and um actually torsten is a person that is exposed. How do you say that saw in English? Like it's a that kind of word. Like you know, that that person who really gets motivated by people believing in him and people like telling him to stay strong and we got a lot of comments in the chat that actually told him like torsten if anyone can do this then it's you like that's awesome like pull through and all of that stuff so he kind of got motivated by that and then he just he got up and he uh, was shaking himself a bit and like really like trying to get that panic attack um through Mm. so that helped and um i think really the people who believed in, in him motivated him. He's he's that kind of person who's motivated by mm. by these kind of things. When he um, when he really gets so much um, support and trust from the community, and so many people believe in him, I think that was really the thing that um, brought him over the panic attack.
0: That sounds. Super stressful. Um, Yeah, there's no other way to say that. It just sounds really super stressful and tough because, yeah, I guess in your situation, you're watching someone go through this. I mean, you can't see half of his face as well. That's also a really funny thing. Like, you know, usually when someone's having a really rough time, you know, you can look at them eye to eye and you can give them physical reassurance, but... You couldn't look at him. No. <laughs> or he couldn't no. see that you were there. I was just really having
1: body contact with him. Mm. I was really like taking him to my side, like patching um, fetching his neck,
0: na- his yeah. back, and like. Physically, I am here for you. Yeah. So I was really
1: like trying to make him feel like. Um, like uh, someone was caring about him and also giving him a massage and stuff also some comments on the chat where after him he just wanted to be patted. like like mm-hmm. um oh my god torsten of course you did that stuff like i would have done the same oh, <laughs> like wow, that was okay. the comments on the chat like you wow. just did that by purpose wanting to be massaged and patted. from the people super didn't cute believe girl.
0: <laughs> he was going through this Is that no but i
1: think they just made fun of him
0: afterwards like yeah. Okay. He got patted by the squirrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of um, a weird way to look at a panic attack, but, you know, that's that's okay. You know the internet, right? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of people that you both knew in the chat as well or that knew about. yeah. So yeah. you had talked about like you'd advertise the chat online or how did you? Yeah, kind yeah, of come
1: yeah. We, we posted it on our on our Twitter, Facebook. Everyone picked it up and were like spreading it all over. Actually, to all the conferences I went afterwards, everyone knew me as the pink onesie girl from the 48 hour marathon. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everyone knew it. They were like, oh my God, you were that girl from the 48 hour marathon. Oh my God, I watched this. Like, you're really that girl. You're famous. Like, are you serious? Oh, wow. Like, I had one <clears throat> meeting with a Google guy. He actually just saw my Lucid Trips experience. And I once did a mobile VR app for Lucid Trips and um, <clears throat> was presenting that at Google. So um, we were like, afterwards, just like he was, I think, giving me a ride or something. And um, then we talked about this very briefly, and he was totally freaking out. He was totally like, No way, no way, this cannot be. Like, you're not that good. That, that's crazy. That's wow. insane. I watched that. Like, I still so watched that all, like, every time I had time during these 48 hours. Like, people were really going nuts about this.
0: That's kind of hilarious yeah. and kind of like you've got yeah. this weird celebrity status. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. It, but only in this like super crazy
1: hard VR nerd circle because it was of course like January two
0: thousand. Sixteen. It looks like it was just over a year ago because I looked it up yeah. just before meeting you. So me. was like, it yeah. was
1: really, really early on. Yeah, um, in a
0: year, a lot's happened, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: That was still the Wife Dev Kid 1 and barely anyone had it at that time. That was the one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really funny because looking back on that, that seems like a really long time ago because yeah. the sort of experiences that have been available for VR yeah. as well are super <laughs> limited. Totally. Um, I was going to ask you. So, what were you planning on programming for sleeping? Um, VR wise, did you program? VR? No, I didn't program anything. I built him.
1: Um, actually, just in Lucid Trips, I built him a cave. Mm-hmm. Um, like a cave. Um, that actually reflected. Um, the the surface, the outer surface, which is like this kind of a star. Um, s- skybox mm-hmm. like um, which is like have several like planets and then I had this pink light in there because she's like a maze pink so it was like a dark cave with a he bit of reflecting <laughs> uh, pink light in there um which was kind of uh for me um I thought a nice environment where I would like to sleep so
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah um that was kind of the thing I would like to have um something programmed like that really um That really um, um, supports you in your sleep to like get into a lucid dream or something like you know there's so many like music or like also visuals that um, can get you into this kind of state where you are easier for lucid dreaming or also any other things but it's just at the moment still at the moment um even if that was a year ago it's still too much um effort for this one-time thing and for not having a budget for it but Mm. uh, because like programming these vr experiences it's a very complex thing and um it's like you need actually a team to like on the one side um curate this thing get all the um like all the rights and all the um all the things for the vr experience you want to show then curate everything take care of the location of the setup of all the technical details and then still like um prepare the experiences mm. so that's really a point where we are actually right now not really at stage to do this on a large scale but and also the experiences are quite
0: short right? yeah. So you have to put together a lot of yeah. experiences to actually get to the point where you have enough material yeah, yeah totally like I was it actually was actually a little bit surprised you got 48 hours worth yeah of it was a
1: pain in the ass and also we had things that we doubled and stuff so mm. also he spent long times in social rooms but it was pretty exhausting for him as well so yeah it was pretty hard to actually really create that image um but it worked we we kind of got it got it over and got it through and it was getting better with every marathon I did.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's three now you've said. Mm-hmm. So two twenty four hour ones yeah. now and one forty eight. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So um, that's really a thing that um, definitely just got better, but. Also that is another thing why I really wanna have VR based to like work on all of that stuff. To mm-hmm. really like get this um this things, these things which are really important and add so much um like value to to your everyday life. It's not only like a game or, or anything that you or do or play or a gimmick, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, that's really something that could improve you. And I think VR has so much potential to actually really improve um skills and like get you closer to dreams get you closer to um what you want to do get you closer to experience a broad variety of of things that you actually cannot do in the real world like all of that stuff Mm. um is not yet really um explored or like really um processed in vr it's it's a lot thought of it um, for example, if you see this like Lawnmower Man thing with that AI component of like um, totally like, um, you know, Lawnmower Man from Brad Leonard. I do Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a thing from the 90s. It's called the Lawnmower Man. And the director is Brad Leonard. He's heavily in VR since forever. And is of course now as this is the, the, the this next wave of VR really taking off. Um, he's a lot involved as well. He's also an advisor on VR base. Like it's really um, that kind of thought. Like there's so much in also um, new neuroscience and um and all that background that actually has a lot more insight into what's going on with our brain and what's possible to manipulate. Mm. Um, Like, all of that um, part, um, I think, is really a thing that will be most important in vr because vr as you know is a locked off system Mm -hmm. like the people are totally gone and that potential that you can actually execute with this system has a lot to do with these kind of like hidden things in your um mind body and so on um in comparison to what we use vr for right now which is more like games and um and Uh, entertainment, also knowledge gaining and education, but in a different way. And all these things that we have in VR right now can be done when the tech is there equally in AR. And Mm -hmm. AR will be a way... Of course, you don't want to always stumble across your, your chairs and stuff when you're totally locked off with VR. Like all these use cases, which we have right now in VR because the tech in AR is not that far or in MR, we will have them in a in another way, in a different way in AR, mm-hmm. um, more sophisticated and more safer for the consumer in the mainstream. Like, not all consumers want to be locked off. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's not happening. Also, yeah. with play, what PlayStation, for example, is doing with... Um, with the audio that they p- uh, pull in audio as soon as someone is entering the room or mm-hmm. there's any audio source from outside they get it through the headset so no one can scare you off or the vibe which are they d- what are they doing with the see-through camera as soon as you get too close to walls all of that stuff is like preventing it a bit mm. but you know there's like different like um real strengths that um these mediums have and i think VR is definitely something for these um yeah, deeper connections that
0: you can enable,
1: like more in that neuroscience dreamlike backgrounds.
0: Yeah, it's still very light at the moment, but yeah, yeah it sounds like it's really going to change. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I think, um, are there any particular things that you would like people to look out for? So have you got any, I'll link to websites, of course, but um, your. your event which is coming up really yeah
1: um at cbit uh we have this vr base um area so if anyone is interested in going to cbit um
0: that's a pretty cool thing to join from the 20 to 24th of march it might be a little bit short notice for for the podcast i'm not sure when i'll get to publish it but um yes but you guys are also doing lots in berlin as well yeah so we always are also very happy
1: about like People who volunteer at events or who wanna like maybe do an internship or something, who just wanna get in touch with VR and the later on like rent, rent a floating desk or a fixed desk at the base, become a member, like join our community, um if you wanna get into VR, like um that's a good chance to just like
0: touch um touch base with like what's going on. Cool. Thank you so much. So that was Sarah sure. Lisa Vogel. Thank you so much for today. Uh, thanks for joining us for Life and Dev. I'm Elise Terranova, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.